0: It is better to stand and fight. If you run, you'll only die tired. Viking Proverb. You want to fight? We'll give you a fight. Welcome to Fight Cast. So do you think there's Burt circus and there are also Ernie circus? Also? Oh, no. also, is that also a thing? really how you're going to start. Yes, that. I am. Welcome to Fightcast everybody.
1: Oh.
0: Yeah. Oh, no, you had to you knew I had to get in a, a good lead into that one, didn't you? Yeah, you say good. I, I say good and I mean it. I, oh, yeah. Fight me. What? That's what this podcast is about, right? I don't think- um, hi everybody! Uh, you'll notice we're back after a, a bit of a hiatus. Uh, what was it like three three or so weeks since we recorded the uh, episode for Winter Soldier?
1: Yes, I think uh, so. While working on getting the actual website and everything up.
0: Yep, um, and now that is up as everybody can see. It's still kind of crude. Uh, we're still working on uh, we're still working on design elements. But uh, as we all know, there is a learning curve to these things, and it will get better with time, I promise. Uh, also, I mean, I got a little bit more spare time recently, uh, seeing as Human Combat Chess closed uh, about two weeks ago. Which
1: was fantastic.
0: Thank you so much, and uh, thank you to everybody who came out to that. Uh, it was the best Human Combat Chess show, I think, to date. I think, I'm I feel safe saying that.
1: I would have to agree. It was very enjoyable to watch mm-hmm. I- do you like uh this year they did something different? No, we're talking about chess, but uh this year they did something different and had the all star games. Yep. And uh it ended up they played three games, uh in
0: an all star series, yeah.
1: Yes. Um rather than the one that you get. It was just it was fast paced, it was great, I cheered the whole time.
0: Oh, thank you. Um by the way, uh my guest this uh episode, uh the lovely tones that you're hearing are those of Kirsten Wade. What? Um who uh is a is very near and dear to me. Uh and yes. what it's true, right? Like not, I could say that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um <laughs> uh, and and Kirsten, you are also a member of Fearless Comedy Productions. People could have right, seen yeah. you at the Die Laughing Marathon, as well as on stage for Vilification Tennis, a Fearless partner show.
1: And indeed, my shirt even says, member of Fearless, so that means it's all kinds of official. Yeah,
0: you're actually wearing the Die Laughing shirt right now. I wondered
1: if that was your inspiration. It really
0: was. Um, However, I
1: am also the stage manager in Build Your Own Inferno, which is happening right now, which I'm going to
0: take a second look. Do that
1: thing, because... inferno, but funny
0: and modern. Starring the host of this podcast, yours truly?
1: Yeah, starring him, <laughs> and he's actually
0: funny. No, I, I, I'm, I'm funny by virtue of the rest of the cast, which uh, includes Isaac Sunley, Lauren Haven, Kyle Decker, John Euchre, uh, Nathan Gerber, and Ted Femrite. Uh, an extremely, extremely talented and hilarious group of individuals. Yes. Um, so
1: we're at the Mounds Theater. MoundsTheater.com
0: momstheater.com or momstheater.org we will check that and we'll put the correct okay. link in the show notes yeah. because the great thing about podcasting is that you can make errors show notes. yes show, yeah, notes. show notes does They're don't <laughs> when, when in doubt always go with what the show notes say because i will have had time to consider those remarks now um why am i here well, oh okay. you're you're here because of your uh, specific expertise with regards to the topic we're talking about, which I'm going to remain purposefully vague on for right now, right. Um, because we do still have a little bit of housekeeping uh, to do. Uh-oh. Now, I there think comes the topic is something listeners. There comes a time in every podcast's life when the podcast is moving up in the world and is becoming slightly more sophisticated. Emphasis on slightly, and uh, new opportunities come the podcast way. And one of those new opportunities came our way. Uh, we at Fightcast have just picked up our first official sponsor. We are a true real people's podcast we are wearing we are wearing the pants with the suspenders now. Um, and uh, our sponsor is True Stone Coffee Roasters, a local Minneapolis-based coffee roastery uh, that makes a truly great product. And I can personally attest, our staff by some truly passionate people. Which um,
1: I have to say, I this is not my podcast. I am not. I'm not getting any of the benefits of this sponsorship. But I still have
0: to say that this coffee is fantastic. Well, I, what uh, I was about to get to was I that... drank
1: so much of it. Die Laughing.
0: Exactly. The Die Laughing Marathon. I don't... I do not know if we could have done that marathon. This was... By the way, listeners, uh, if any of you are familiar with Fearless Comedy Productions and the Die Laughing Marathon, which good chance of you... Good chance many of you are. Um, this was a 50-hour comedy marathon that we did as Fearless' annual fundraiser um, at the Bloomington uh, Double Tree. What, the Double Tree by Hilton in, Blo- in Bloomington, it? Minnesota. It changes names every damn year, I swear. But um, so we were there for 50 hours straight uh, streaming online and performing to live audiences, some of which consisted as many as, like, 50, and some of which consisted of, like, five. But, uh, but
1: they were all good audiences.
0: They were all good audiences, and there again... There were
1: plenty of people watching this
0: stream as well. It, it takes a popular. lot of... Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we, we absolutely were. And um, it takes a lot of guts to do 50 hours straight, but it also takes a lot of goddamn caffeine. So much
1: caffeine.
0: Um, and that was supplied to us. James Fairbairn, actually, uh, name dropped right there. Um, another member of Fearless brought a... He bought a whole case of... Uh, True Stone Cold Press, or as they call it, Cool Press, which...
1: Bless that deliciously bearded man.
0: Oh, man. I mean, when you're so sleep-deprived that, you know, you've gotten two hours of sleep in the past two days, and you've got a five-hour MC shift coming up, and even then, after that, you've got, like, two shows that you're performing in, and then directly after the two shows you're performing in are at least two that you want to see, and you have to stay up for all that. And True Stone helped us do that. Well,
1: and it's Tasty too. I mean, it's not like yeah. it's the only coffee there, and so yeah. we had to reach out and grab it. Like, I work at a coffee shop, and I take True Stone with me in the morning to yeah. trip because I prefer it. it. Yeah. So
0: it's tasty. Absolutely. I made some cold press, I think, for Die Laughing as well, and it was not nearly as good as the stuff it True Stone brought. I'm no. Sorry, well, I mean, they're professionals. They're, they're professionals. I leave it to the, <laughs> I leave it to the, to the professionals to produce a professional product, right? Uh, but right. the Yeah, um, it was also ever-present if you went to uh, the Human Combat Chess Show. uh, True Stone was a coffee sponsor of that. Uh, We got some sweet um, nitro-fueled draft cold press, which also helped us get through all that uh, that fighting. You might have been able to tell some of us were jitterier on the board than others. Uh, But please check them out at truestonecoffee.com. You can use the offer code FIGHTCAST to get 10% off your offer. Uh, this is a tremendous partnership that Fightcast is very happy to be uh, a part of. Uh, Please check them out. True Stone Coffee, uh, fresh roasts, cool beans now on to the actual meat of the podcast itself i'm good as a pitch person aren't i i that made me giggle it did make you giggle i well you you sometimes got you gotta be good at the menial well it's not menial i mean it's helping us do what we do but you, you you gotta get that stuff in there and you gotta do it with gusto i think i like the gusto. Thank you. I appreciate your appreciation of my gusto. Now, uh, so what, what we're here to talk about, uh, what we're here to talk about, kind of, uh, it's a mutual aligned interests of ours. Uh, I, I first heard of this battle, um, the, the, the specific battle we're going to be talking about. I first heard of it when I was listening to Dan Carlin's podcast, uh, Hardcore History, the, specifically the episode The What Ifs of 1066. Which mainly dealt with Hastings, but the Battle of Stamford Bridge, as we're going to get into, uh, had, a huge, had huge ramifications later on and influenced how the Battle of Hastings went. So you can really say that this uh, battle was one of the pivotal encounters in 1066 that shaped the, the Western, and I guess therefore the modern, world. Uh, but we're going to talk a little bit about the Vikings in general and also the legendary uh, storied Berserkers. So, Kirsten, by the way, what are your what are your bona fides what that are, you're bringing? What are my bona fides? Yeah, talk I, about your bona fides.
1: I am a uh, Viking hobbyist historian. Uh, I can't really claim any specific certifications mm-hmm. or anything that I have, but I have been studying Viking culture and lore and history since I was... Old enough to read and get to the library and read uh, yeah. stuff, books.
0: Having the having the name Thorson, though, I mean that that's that helps. Enough. Yeah,
1: probably what spawned the uh, spawned the real need to learn more about mm-hmm. who the Vikings are and what they did. And hey, my family is named after this pretty sweet Viking god dude, so mm-hmm. let me check out what that info is. Um, uh, so I uh, I used to run a blog called I think it was Vikings Facts at blog.com. Okay. Just a big little
0: Is it blog. still there?
1: It's still there. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, lovely. So I,
0: haven't, I haven't touched
1: it in years. Ooh. Ooh, I'm going to check it out. I compared the um, Put the link
0: in the show notes.
1: <laughs> yeah, where I compared the episodes of the show Vikings to what okay. happened in actual history and what we have in actual sagas and things like that. Yeah. And uh, I had to give it up after the first season because it started to diverge so much. Yeah. From actual lore and history and culture, as it's going to. It's a television show. It's it's there to be entertaining rather than information. Yeah, yeah. But um, it started to uh diverge so much from real life that it became a bit more mature to keep up with. Oh, this is wrong, but uh, this is what they could have done instead. But this is what your I'm
0: nose to started me. to hurt from pushing the glasses up your face so often. It
1: did. Uh, you know, I I I became entirely too pedantic for my own good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, that's my bona fides, basically, is that I read a lot and like to correct people.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah, I mean, th- th- that's a great place to start. I mean, we've all been there, absolutely. And, uh, I mean, but th- th- then again, when you're descended from that line of badass warriors, you're going to want to find out more about them, right? I mean, I certainly, like, I mean, there was a phase where I was... Um, really trying to figure out all I could about the English longbowmen and you oh. know and, and and the the, the Welsh uh, warriors who were not quite successful to say their Irish counterparts but were still greatly feared in their day and I'd love to do an episode on them at some point too um, but here we are uh, set the stage for us the year's 1066 but no. Okay, before we get to 1066, um... The, we'll the, have to start in well, year 793. 793? What, what happened in 793?
1: 793 is basically the widely accepted year that the Viking Age started. Okay. 793 marks the attack at Lindisfarne, a monastery on in the British Isles. Okay. Um... That was the first... It wasn't the first time that Vikings had been to the uh, British Isles. It certainly wasn't the first time that the Vikings had attacked the British Isles. But this is the first one that really horrified people enough mm-hmm. to be recorded. This was the so,
0: first, like, attack en masse.
1: Uh, yes. Yeah, rather than a small band of people killing a small band of mm-hmm. uh, sheriff's men or a small band of uh, citizens... This was an attack on a monastery, mm-hmm. and uh, monks were killed, and uh, relics were stolen, and gold was melted
0: down. Now, this was, of course, a huge scandal to the Christian population of England at the time. I mean, the Vikings, did they know that they were attacking a holy site, or was it simply a place that, oh, there's gold there, and there's people there, and we can bring back both of those?
1: Oh, they, they would have known it was a holy site. The okay. Vikings, the Vikings were actually very well-traveled and very well-learned, and so... Uh, like I said, they had already been making contact with not only uh, the British Isles, but mm-hmm. also with other parts of mainland Europe. Uh, the Vikings are not just Norwegian, which, or you know, just Swedish and Norwegian. You know, a lot of people forget that the Danes mm-hmm. were Vikings, that the Russians were Vikings, that all yes, the Rus, the,
0: a famous tribe of Vikings.
1: Yes, the um the. And uh, I can get into what we know about the roost, but uh, least, yeah. <laughs> the Baltic states were all Vikings and were being attacked by Vikings. They had gone east for very, very long, and uh, they definitely would have had knowledge of Christianity. Most would have had knowledge of Christianity. Uh, another thing is to remember that the Vikings were not a ubiquitous group. Uh, They were very much confined to smaller, uh, very small, almost city state ish kind of, uh, except not as confined because people spread out for farms and whatnot. Um, They were loyal to certain sea kings, but uh, they weren't really loyal to somebody else just because, oh, you happen to be a Viking, too? Viking from where? Well, screw you. I don't know where that is.
0: Let's fight. Okay. I mean, that's good good reason. I need to fight, right? Oh, right. Yeah. Um, so, I guess what you're saying, then, is this, this this year, 793, with the attack on the monastery at Lindisfarne, was the first time that a major Viking incursion into Western Europe had occurred. And that was, of course, when, you know... It was
1: basically the first time that people had said, oh, shoot, this might be a problem.
0: Okay. Um so going so going forward from that we got a, we got a few generations until we get to 1066. Yeah. How did the Vikings evolve as they started to raid wealthier and wealthier people?
1: Um, that's you know the hard thing is the Vikings didn't write anything down mm-hmm. until centuries after they happened um, so most of what we know was written down you know generations later uh oral tradition was huge so yep. how did they evolve that's it's it's really up in the air we do know that um vikings traded with mainland europe for better weapons uh the iron that you find up in scandinavia pig iron or bog iron mm-hmm. is Notoriously terrible. Yeah. And uh, there were several edicts passed, and I didn't write this down in my notes, but I think it was Charles the Bald?
0: Charles the Bald, okay. Who
1: wrote several edicts about uh, what you can and cannot do to um, uh, when dealing with Northmen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, trading steel to a Northman was. Absolutely for a and I believe in yeah. the very is punchable than death.
0: An ancient arms trafficking, yes. you know, yes. amendment.
1: So we do know that at least there was some sort of supplying of weapons and horses. Horses was another thing that was banned, giving to any roost or uh, any Vikings. Sorry. But yeah,
0: but I mean, I, I imagine that it must have been weird. Like, how, how did the Vikings begin to integrate cavalry into their into their military? Because their their basic standard technique was uh, they would. I mean. By all means, I stand to be corrected with any of this, but, uh, I mean, you load up in your long ship. you, you have, I guess, a basic target area in mind, but you're going to go for the first populated, uh, you know, loot, loot-laden place that you can find, uh, get off your long ships. get your shields together, get your buddies going on, uh, and just take everything and burn everything and kill anybody who raises a hand of resistance. D- was it a while, I guess, in the Vikings' evolution of their tactics before they started to face organized resistance from militaries?
1: Well, let me let me correct you. This is my favorite thing. To I correct. stand to be corrected. I, correct. I yes, this absolutely. Is my favorite thing to correct about uh, misconceptions about the Vikings. Yeah. The Vikings did not often uh, rape and burn and destroy everything in their path. Um, they absolutely did pillage, and there absolutely was. You know, rape. So I'm not. I guess I'm not going to say that that didn't happen. Yeah. But Their tactic was more to come into a town, steal everything they could uh, that wasn't nailed down, people included, mm-hmm. and then ransom them.
0: Because I see. Because
1: they didn't really want to carry a bunch of kicking, screaming, angry people, um, or overly heavy uh, things. Yeah. On their boats back with them because it's not. It's not an easy journey. It wasn't an easy journey then. Yep. So their tactic would be to take what they could that looked important, and this is again why they did know that they were holy sites, and that's why churches were attacked because, my God, we steal a couple of relics, we can get so much
0: gold in return. See. There's an unequal valuing of the items in question. I mean, to the, yes. to, the to the Northmen, these were just. These were somebody else's religious relics, and they were gold, and they were beautiful, and they were great workmanship, and they were, you know, amazing pieces of spoils. But to the Christians who they were stolen from, yes, the, they, they would do almost anything to get these things back because yeah. all the time, ta- a lot of the times, these are like, oh, the the bones of Saint So and So, or There's the the,
1: uh, the famous example of the Book of Kells, okay. which was stolen from Iona. I- I I cannot remember the name yet, Uh, Mm? but it was stolen from a monastery, and uh, the Vikings ripped the jeweled and golden cover off and dropped the book, Mm. and uh, the book was found in a ditch on the side of a road with its cover ripped off, and uh, if you've never looked at the Book of Tales, it is some of the most beautiful Celtic artwork you will ever find. It is... It is an absolutely amazing work of art, probably one of the most important works of art that we have in British history. Does
0: it survive to this day? Oh, it survives to this day. An Excellent. And all, and all because the Vikings decided that the cover, they literally judged a book by its cover. Uh, <laughs> they judged a book by its cover. They just yeah. took the cover and then they left the book.
1: Um, so, uh, But a lot of their raids would, uh, would require to set up some sort of camp. The Vikings also set out lots of settlers. They were very much about sending people out to live other places. Mm-hmm. They settled Iceland and Greenland and for a very, very short time they settled North America. Mm-hmm. And uh, so things like horses would absolutely have become important because, I mean, these were people who could not live in the harsh land that they were living. Um, this was during a period of a uh, of mini ice age, and so it was harder and harder to grow things. Farms were doing so well, mm-hmm. so they they left to just go settle
0: all the time. So it wasn't purely capitalistic endeavor. They're they're saying oh, it's becoming literally intolerable to live in our own homeland, mm-hmm. and so we need to try and branch out and find. Uh, other places to live. It's like, yes. I mean, if, if the earth was becoming somehow uninhabitable, we'd search for the nearest planet that we could occupy, you know? Uh, yeah. So so the Ice Age drives these people out and basically straight at uh, civilized Western Europe, or quote-unquote civilized <laughs> Western Europe. Because, I mean, of course, the Vikings did have a civilization. It was just a very um, different cultural model, very, very much like how the Mongols had uh, a, a semi-sophisticated nomadic lifestyle that was just a, sort of a different form of civilization than the settled societies they were raiding. I mean, these people—they did exactly what the Mongols did, but just on the on the ocean instead of on horses.
1: Oh uh, yeah, kind of uh, less organized than the Mongols because once they had yeah. quote-unquote conquered an area, they didn't really care to keep it. Okay. Um, they would just leave and come back a year or two later when those people had built up their riches again
0: to uh <laughs> just to raid them again. Yes. Exactly, So I mean, just a constant, constant drain on uh, riches and resources and that kind of thing. So, and, and the taking of hostages too. You can see this carrying over into the tradition of Western Europe. The you know. Sh- uh, Many centuries down the line, the chivalric tradition of I'm going to take a nobleman as a hostage in battle rather than kill him because I know that I can get way more money out of his family and his country than if I had killed him.
1: And I I can't say that I attribute that trait to learning from the Vikings because there's cultures all over the world. Yes. Eh, this rich guy sucks. But Mm -hmm. he sucks less if he's not dead because I get money from him. Exactly,
0: but I mean, the 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 Vikings strike me very much as pragmatists, both in combat and in uh and in their I guess you could say their foreign policy. You know they they they, yeah. they 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 valued. I mean, if everybody could go home at the end of the day a little bit wealthier, I mean they they yeah. weren't necessarily bent bent on killing people and conquering for killing and conquest's sake.
1: Yes, uh, the Vikings were actually very prolific traders, and uh, some people. I mean, this is becoming a more and more well known fact, thankfully. But uh, there was actually a kind of tradition of wealthier Vikings going to Constantinople. And working as Beringian uh, outsider, foreign mercenaries, basically. Yeah. They, they right. guarded
0: the whole the, the the Rome, the Byzantine emperor.
1: Oh yeah, I mean they they guarded everyone whoever would hire them. You know that was the thing to do. Is when you come of age, you go to Constantinople for a couple of years, work. You know, uh, carve a bunch of runes into the top of the Hagia Sophia. There are actually Viking runes carved into the Hagia Sophia. I want to go see them now. Uh, <laughs> and uh you know then come back and you'll be a little bit more seasoned and you know that's,
0: uh Yeah they're, they're 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 walking back to their viking ship wondering, I "Man, why has Constantinople got the works?" <sighs> sorry, yeah. I'm sorry that yeah. delicious low hanging fruit is yeah. just right there.
1: And, you know, sometimes when fruit is low Bugs eat it, and so you
0: shouldn't. (laughs) That's true. Okay, um, (laughs) listeners, you're just going to have to forgive me for that one. I I have zero self-control. Now, the Vikings were greatly feared throughout Europe, throughout the the entirety of the Viking Age, which I guess, could you say that the Viking Age begins at 793 and ends in 1066? Yes. That kind
1: of was widely accepted by historians. Gotcha. people, People will fudge on, well... Actually, the first recorded uh, Viking attack on England was in this year. And actually, you know, Viking influence lasted until that year. Many
0: a fedora and a vape pen, I'm sure. (laughs) But, uh,
1: yeah, 793 to 1066 is kind of the general theory.
0: Okay. So we've talked a little bit about their culture and their relationship to the rest of Europe at the time. What about their battle tactics? What about... Ooh. What about their equipment? What were their? What would I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm your run of the mill Viking warrior. I get on the ship. I, 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 I mean, we've talked about the shield. There's there's a shield involved here. Uh, but but what do I look like? What am I outfitted with?
1: Well, uh, let's let's start with Viking training. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vikings start training from a very young age. You are basically packed together with a group of other Vikings. Who uh, that is your crew for life. And uh, Like
0: a tank crew, almost, except larger. It's your, it's your yes. boat crew.
1: And, in fact, it is tradition for uh, for that crew. You make your own boat. Okay. Basically. But I, 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 I want Great team-building exercise, yeah. It, yes. Uh, I want to say really quick that this is what we know, and all Viking bands are different, and a Viking from Norway is going to do something completely different from a Danish Viking, a Swedish Viking, a British Viking. Okay. So what I say does not apply to... All types of Vikings. It might not even apply to. It, it's just kind of what we know from what we're able to gather from the very few sources we have. Gotcha. So, but
0: all the angry emails are going to come to me, anyways. Okay. You don't have to worry about it,
1: anyway. I just want the disclaimer because you know all most of what we know is conjecture, and the things that we do know is concrete fact can't even be applied to everyone. So it's just it, okay. it's one of the hardest things to talk about.
0: Absolutely. Which is why it's So interesting. Absolutely. So with that caveat in mind. But they yes, build a the boat. So they build
1: their boat together, and this is, uh, as you said, it's a great team-building exercise, and it's also a great workout. Mm-hmm. You know? Trees, I bet. Trees are heavy. You are working with your hatchet, you know, and that is your battle hatchet.
0: Okay. Um, You fell wood with the same thing you fell a man with.
1: Yeah. Um, You know, you would also have a dane axe, and you probably wouldn't use mm. the dane axe on a tree. But, uh, yes, that... That's how you learn to use your weapons, that's how you learn to work with your people. Uh, They would have a shield, Mm -hmm. and many people know about the shield and the shield wall. Yep. The Vikings were very, very good at the shield wall. And uh, we don't know exactly how the shields were used except for, you know, to be this fantastic block from the enemy. You can watch the show Vikings and you see all these great moves where they lift somebody above the shield wall or they.
0: To to uh, shoot arrows. Yes,
1: or they move somebody aside quick to jam a sword through. You know, you see all these wonderful tactics and those are as much conjecture as anything else because we don't know past. Shields are great, spears are terrifying.
0: Put them together. Yeah.
1: Uh, So so when you could also sorry they also use their axes uh they use Mm -hmm. them as throwing axes as well as just you know axing away at some dude bro
0: oh yeah axing Uh, him a question the hard way yes
1: uh they were accurate with those for up to sixty
0: feet now from what we can tell are, are are the kind of axes we're talking about bigger than say a tomahawk but less big than say a wood cutting axe a two handed wood cutting axe I mean we're talking about a single handed weapon yes. Okay. Uh,
1: they, these kind of hatchety axes, yes, would be a single handed weapon. Uh, I guess maybe just a little bit smaller. Yeah, like bigger than a tomahawk, but smaller than a modern axe. Okay, okay. Um, but thrown with one hand, used with one hand. The Dane axe. Ooh,
0: the Dane axe. Is
1: more, uh, more popular, and I like the thieves. Uh, Oh, well,
0: you can hear me rubbing my hands together, listeners. (laughs) This
1: would have almost been like a Mm proto-halberd. It would have been as tall as a man with a blade just as terrifying.
0: I've heard figures around a a haft that could be up to about six feet long. Yeah. And uh, axe heads that could be anywhere from one to two feet wide.
1: Yes. These would have been terrifying. Oh, good lord, yeah. You could mow people down with them, you know. Horses
0: too, probably. Yes,
1: they are weapons that, yeah, they're just, they're terrifying and deadly and wielded by these very strong men who have been working together since they were old enough to walk. Uh, it would have been quite a sight.
0: Now, the axe is going to play a huge part in uh, the battle that we talk about in a little bit. So please, the, the, the talk about the axe is actually very important. Now, would this be given to somebody who fit the mold of, uh, say, a heavy infantry trooper? Or would this be something that most Vikings would be trained on to use if they needed to?
1: Um. You know, the thing about Viking weapons is because, again, their iron was so bad. If you can get a good weapon, you have a good weapon. Yeah. You work with what you know. Indeed. Um...
0: But obviously you're going to give the huge, formidable, terrifying weapon to the dude who can wield it. So I imagine these it's guys more, must it have it's been... It's
1: more that the dude who can wield it is going to prefer to choose that. Yeah. Um, again, roles weren't really assigned. Like a king saying, I need 5,000 bowmen. Find yep. me those. It was more, what weapon is best for you, that's the weapon you use. Okay. Mostly okay. with the spear's... And axes.
0: So going back to the Viking training, then if I'm a Viking youth in in, in this uh, in this system, hmm. uh, if I found a more affinity for the bow, then that then they would just say just use that, just like be a bow, just be an uh, archer.
1: That's hard to say because hand to hand combat was more important in Viking culture than okay. tactics. Yeah, and you know. As, as funny as this sounds, a bow might almost seem more feminine. I, I can see that. Because it was the job of the women, uh, not shield maidens, but women who went with armies, yep. to stand back at a distance and uh, cast spells. Cast spells? In Viking culture, magic is something that only women can do. Ooh. And often lots of God. What do you I mean, mean, every little battle, thing she, battle, she does is magic. Witches, I guess is yep. what you would call them. Uh, Vol-
0: Volga? I, I, I believe the, the class is sorcerer or mage. Yes.
1: <laughs> uh, but these, these women would uh, just stand back and cast spells to hurt the the uh, army. So I think someone with a bow standing back to shoot arrows at somebody wouldn't have been like...
0: It wouldn't have been as fitting in the warrior ethos. right.
1: Um, now, that doesn't mean that Vikings didn't have bows and arrows. Of course they had bows and arrows, especially later when they became more established. Yep. But for for Europe... Because I know that um, the Mongols developed bows completely differently. Yep. Bows were not accurate enough for it to make any sense to have one or two people have
0: one. I guess so. It was more of a weapon that you would give to people on mass yes. to fire volleys of arrows. Yes. With. Okay. Uh, and, and of course, and the Vikings just weren't interested in developing the tactics of using them on mass because it not, didn't fit not in with not their.
1: Until they had kind of established themselves um, in Europe.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Um, uh, the other question I was going to ask was about uh uh what w- what other weapons did the uh, did the Vikings appropriate from the people that they raided? Were they they, they had okay. Uh,
1: weapons, armor. Uh you know, Vikings generally had leather or mm-hmm. lightly studded armor until they started really stealing things from Europe, steal your Sealer trading because yep. you know. Um they didn't have much in terms of helmets or headwear. Yep. Um, you know, hats and leather bonnets and kind of army caps and that sort of thing. Yep. But uh, again, steel, steel just wasn't very good. Yeah. So, as soon as they were able to move away from the bog iron, they did. Okay. Just because, you know, you've yep. got a huge landmass right there full of people who will happily give you. You know, we- uh, weapons and armor under the
0: table. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Go, go for the riveted steel mail mm-hmm. to, to wear, if at all possible, right? Right. Um, uh, the, I remember the thing I was going to say earlier, uh, going back to the kind of uh, outfit that the that a Viking would have. The okay. Viking shield was quite large. Um, yes. th- these were about, like, uh, three or so feet in diameter.
1: And
0: very heavy. Yeah. Uh, made mostly out of just timber or... It, yep, and
1: they would have had a metal... Um, a metal bit on the front, so that
0: you could bash. Yeah, it's called a boss. Yes. It was really boss. <laughs> <sighs> no, and, and these were single grip shields, not like the uh, the full arm Corinthian grip you might see on the Greek hoplite shield, for Correct. instance. Okay, uh, and that allowed you to kind of push forward uh, a and little be bit better. Be
1: able use your
0: other arm. Yep. For, the for axe and sword. And stab time. Yes, best time of the day, stabbing <laughs> yeah. stab time. Uh, what I was about to say as well, that because of the broadness of the Viking shield and, uh, and their tactics of using the shield wall, they would be able to withstand arrows and missile weapons quite well.
1: Yes. I mean, again, at this time, arrows were so fantastically inaccurate yep. that... You know, you couldn't look at someone and say, that guy, I'm going to hit that guy. And as long as he didn't move, you got Gotcha. You would have to... Loose
0: a shaft in his general direction. And, mm-hmm.
1: and you would have to have a hundred people doing the same thing and hope that it doesn't suddenly decide to be windy. Excellent. Uh, so, really, any sort of protection would have been good against arrows. Yep. Because it was just not likely that they could hit you unless they yeah. had thousands of men yeah.
0: pointed at your army. <laughs> or bows made in China, which was very unlikely. No, <laughs> yeah, like, likely they, yeah know, I mean, they let's, let's be honest, they very technologically superior uh, weaponry over in China, which deserves it. it was, yeah, those bows so were yes. accurate. Because very very so. you yeah. could actually have someone say, that
1: guy I'm going to hit, mm-hmm. him. you could hit him.
0: And, uh, I, again, it deserves its own episode, and I'd love to get into that. But You, know,
1: you hear about all the various uh, sea kings and other famous Vikings who were killed by arrows, and they never, you know, who did it? Who knows? Dude shouldn't have stood up during volley time. Yep. Arrow time.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just sort of like a hazard of the battlefield, much like artillery becomes later on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... Uh, just wrapping up the talking about the Vikings, uh, battle tactics specifically, uh, the shield wall that you mentioned, was this a, was this a single rank shield wall where we're talking about like hundreds, hundreds of guys, or a bunch of guys, I guess. I Viking armies, I'm sure, varied in size, pressing against the front rank with their shields out. Or was this more like a Greek phalanx shield shield wall, where you had rank upon rank upon rank of guys, each with shields, pressing forward?
1: That depends who you ask. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, it's disputed. Yes, and it's even disputed what how it was at Stanford Bridge, because what we have <laughs> as far as uh, more contemporary information is the bio Tapestry.
0: Oh, the lovely bio Tapestry.
1: And this tapestry shows kind of what looks like a Greek phalanx, where it's uh, row after row for row. Okay. But that isn't a tactic that we hear people talking about in, uh, in, other, uh, in other texts. So it's, again, the Vikings battle tactics are so very unknown that... That's not an easy question that I can answer. Excellent. Because we've got we've got conflicting information on both sides. No
0: good. That means that there's more stuff to figure out. I know. And we get to learn new things as we go on, which I is awesome. To
1: figured
0: out now. No, know. Don't leave all. But anyway, uh, so as we get closer to Stanford Bridge here, the other big uh, ingredient and the thing that makes this battle so interesting is the berserker and the yeah. or or the berserker. Um, I, I, the, the pronunciation on that would be Berzercerka, right? Yes. Okay.
1: Berzercerka, which means
0: bear shirt. Bear shirt. Uh, yes. So, so they all wore shirts with bears on them, going rawr, right? Well, no. <laughs> uh,
1: they wore they wore coats uh, coats made of bear skin. which
0: is significantly more badass. Yes.
1: Um, the bear and the wolf are both animals that are sacred to Odin. Okay. And so if you're going into battle, mm. then you would want to wear those sacred animals.
0: So he's literally got your back.
1: Uh, yes. Oh, uh, yes. yes. Uh, so he's yes. To be a bear they were also called, um, Heisner, Okay. Uh, which i
0: likely Say after. that one more time for our listeners.
1: Ulfheiznar. Okay. Which means, uh, wolf. Wearer.
0: All right. Basically. Now, would they would they have to kill the wolf or bear themselves? I mean, I'm guessing that must have been some part of the process, that right?
1: That is not a thing that
0: we know. Okay, I'm As- gonna I'm gonna assume that yes, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go with the assumption. When, when does, if, the well, yes, of course, because I mean, I, well, why not wrap some kind of initiation right into that? Like, you want to be a berserker? Well, kill the bear and wear his skin then. You know, if you're so badass. Now, uh, we, we, we associate the term, obviously, berserk and berserker with extreme anger, extreme rage. Going oh, crazy. Going absolutely insane. Yes. Now, we even, the idea of a battle rage or a, a numbing of the senses and tunneling of the vision. a rage. Exactly. A, a kind of a bloodlust, a, a kind of a different mental state in combat. We get this, even in the modern day. Yes. Uh, we we get this from soldiers, so it, it leads me to believe this is a universal human phenomenon. But how was the berserker gang? I guess the um, the, the the state that these people entered, and how was that different from say just a normal? Or anything is more well, normal than that. But these these yeah.
1: warriors were legendary. So uh, according to the sagas, they could. Uh, withstand uh, withstand being stabbed or cut. They could uh, withstand heat and fire. They uh, didn't care about the cold or about the weather. They simply marched on. And just like if you play D and D and you've ever had a half orc going to a rage, that's that's what it is. They would just go and fight and fight and fight until they literally dropped dead because their body could take no more.
0: Yeah, or they got killed by the enemy, who I'm sure immediately <laughs> right, right. targeted that person. They
1: even killed by the enemy, as, as the stories say, uh, they weren't as affected by pain. Um, so cutting them, stabbing them, you know, uh, setting them on fire throwing rocks at their face. Yeah. That sort of stuff just didn't seem to affect them.
0: So this seems to be enough of a documented thing that we can reasonably... Assure ourselves that this was a this was a real phenomenon. There's, pe- yes. People actually did this in battle uh, on the Viking side.
1: Yes, we have uh, we have accounts both from uh, of course hundreds of years later, but from uh, Scandinavian texts. I believe Snorri Sturlson yep. writes about the uh, Viking Uh We have accounts from mainland European Christian texts. We have accounts from Middle Eastern texts. We, uh, it's, yeah, reasonable to guess that this is probably a thing that happened.
0: Okay. What do you think, what's your favorite theory? Because I know that, that many have been proposed for what induced this kind of state of bloodlessness, you know.
1: My favorite theory is that they're all drugged up. Yeah? Um, yeah there are several mushrooms that are used by shaman in far, far, far north Scandinavia, up in the Arctic. Arctic Uh, circles. And uh, these mushrooms they're hallucinogenic. They're all those fun things you see in teen movies. Uh, Mm -hmm. They uh, They could absolutely cause you to hallucinate if mixed with alcohol, if mixed with other herbs and uh, sort of drugs and medicines that you make up, poisons really is what they all are.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, yeah, they were wrecking like, their bodies by doing this.
1: Oh, yeah. But uh, if you mixed them with other poisons, which would have been available at the time, you could cause hallucinations, paranoia, um, and that could very easily lead to a rage are
0: heading off to war in, in that sort of mindset. I see. I've often heard from people who have ingested psychedelic substances that the resulting experience that you get is very often determined by your mental state going into it. Right. So I, they, they often say that, you know, uh, never never take acid on, uh, you know, during a bad time in your life or when you've got other stuff going on because you're going to carry that into the experience with you. Right. Do you think that maybe these people were already in a kind of uh, an amped up mental state and they were ready yes. to go and hurt somebody and then they take these drugs and it, and it just puts them in the in the murder zone literally
1: because they're they're, they're having a religious experience um, a battle is a religious experience for a Viking. Uh, we all know the stories about if you die, you go to Valhalla. Mm-hmm. Uh, when in reality, and become
0: uh, one of the Einherjar.
1: Only half of the people who die gloriously, so it's not even dying in battle. Really, die gloriously
0: stringent um, requirements.
1: Half of them will get chosen to go to Valhalla. Uh, wow.
0: The rest
1: of them go to Freya's. Paradise, which is kind of more like traditional heaven, okay, happy and peaceful, and you see your family, and it's
0: great. Well, I mean, because with 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 the north, uh, with the Norse, uh, uh religion, they have the the cycle of Ragnar- Ragnarok. Yes. And uh, um, that's
1: its own episode.
0: The, oh now. my God, and, I would love to get into that at some but point. Anyway, but what? So yeah.
1: The 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 battle would have been a religious experience for them, and so you go into this not thinking, oh, I'm so scared. I'm going to have to kill a bunch of people. Gosh, what if I get hurt? That's okay. I can do this, I guess. Mm -hmm. You go into battle thinking, oh man, I really hope I die awesome. I hope what I do, this is going to be so great. I am going to go and have the best death you've ever seen. This is going to be a better death than you. Yeah, I bet I can die better than you, buddy. And so it's not as negative as it would be in other cultures. You I know, see. going into battle would absolutely be daunting and terrifying, but more in the same way that, like, going to ride a roller coaster is, where it's daunting and terrifying, and, oh, gosh, I might be scared, but but you're going to be more scared than me, and I know that this is going to be fun once we actually get up there, yep. so it's, it, it's excited, terrified anticipation. I see. And so, yeah, if, if you took some sort of hallucinogenic, some sort of psychedelic or something like that, That would have just made you want to go and keep going and not stop until you are just a weird blood-covered bearded mess.
0: And you combine that with natural adrenaline, and you've you've got a lethal combination of a performance-enhancing warfare drug going on here. Now, uh, you mentioned that these people were trying to one-up each other in terms of their glorious deaths. Now, is this where the brag... Comes from. the uh, I believe what I've heard you mention in the past that uh, Viking warriors would often have uh, poetic battles with each other prior to a battle.
1: Yes, there was
0: a flit. Flit?
1: Yes. Fleeting is
0: a sort of uh, rap
1: battle, I guess is the best way you could come up with it
0: or uh, translate it. That is the best thing. <laughs> where,
1: uh, yeah, fleeting is more personal bragging before a war, where you would just intimidate the other army by coming up with better poetry, by rapping better,
0: yeah. you know. Or uh, amongst guys in your own army, too. Or or was yeah, it against yeah, the enemy?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, things are so communal and people were so together that I guess you wouldn't flee against somebody unless it was a little more serious. Okay. Um, it was, you, you might tease your friends about, you know, I'm going to do this better than you, but like... I I can't say that that was anything special. Okay. More than what every culture does.
0: I see. You know,
1: I don't think that that was a special
0: thing. So they they were very much an honor culture then. <sighs> or at least at least a, a valor culture.
1: Okay. Yes, valor valor I would say. Okay. Uh, doing important things is important. Doing big things, being remembered.
0: Oh yeah. So. Um, um, so, so these berserkers, they were the they were the people who I guess were the true believers in the religion and uh, the ideology and the, and the warrior ethos of the Vikings. So they were the people yeah. who I guess I, I imagine that your run of the mill Norse warrior might look at somebody who was uh, gonna go berserker and he and he was looking like, wow, I wish I was him. He's gonna have a glorious death.
1: Possibly, yeah.
0: Again, speculation. I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't wait till we know more about this because I feel like there, it, there's only we, we there's got to be a treasure trove well, of Viking texts or some of kind of records elsewhere. Well, I mean, yes.
1: The problem is that there will never be a treasure trove of Viking texts. Mm. They were not a they were not a culture that wrote things down and they were a culture that was so unorganized in where their kings were located and how they ruled and who took taxes from who. Mm. Does anyone even care that that village over there exists? Okay. Uh, they were just not a organized or very literate culture. I see. So a lot of it is just, Going to be lost. Uh, it's and another huge oh. problem that we have is that Viking culture had a research of the popularity in the Victorian times. Uh, the, the Ring Cycle. Oh, yes, you know, yes. Like, the late 1800s, and everybody's writing about how great the Vikings are and all these great romantic epics and yeah. poems, and uh, discovering all these treasures and buying and selling things for various museums and so a lot of what we know about vikings is very colored by the Victorian age i see so um there's a problem where they used to dig up a viking grave and say this one is holding a sword this is a man this one has jewelry this is a woman this one has a sword and jewelry this is a man who must have been given that as a gift for a woman. And they would look at that and they wouldn't actually look at, you know, the shape and, and the
0: skeletons uh, bones and bones and skeletons. Yes. Okay.
1: So um we know that we know that there were more women fighting and settling areas than we knew twenty years ago.
0: That, that right. reminds me of something that you mentioned about shield maidens. Can you briefly touch on who shield maidens were in the in this whole structure?
1: Sure. Uh, shield maidens are women who fight. Mm-hmm. That's it. Uh, shield maidens, yeah, just women who pick up a sword. Uh, they exist in epics and sagas. There was a Islam, no, oh shoot, Islamic or Italian and I cannot remember which, but... Uh, who traveled with an army that fought Vikings?
0: Ibn Fadlan, I believe, is who uh, you're referring to. I'm not, I'm not, oh, sorry. Different person. Uh, different, different yep, okay.
1: he, he traveled with the Roost, but he traveled with a different Rus. Gotcha. This gotcha. dude traveled with an actual army, fought a bunch of Vikings, and uh, when they went to loot the bodies, because that's just what soldiers did back then, yep. uh, this dude was absolutely shocked and horrified that half of the soldiers that they St. Hulot were women. I see. Who fought as fiercely as the men, as it says. You know, we, we are finding women in graves who held swords and, uh, who had, you know, fatal injuries. You know, you can see cut marks on the bones and bashing injuries and things like that. You can tell if someone died a violent death. I see. Uh, there are women who died a violent death and it's because being a female warrior is an established part of the culture. Mm You know, there's Valkyrie. There's Lagertha. There's plenty of stories of women who picked up a sword and went and did cool things. So, it wouldn't have been as shocking as if we found out that a woman from uh, a biblical Israel yeah. picked up a sword and did something. You know, it, there we have no, as far as to my knowledge, we have no records of women doing this. It's definitely not in their mythology and I see. culture. And so, it would be surprising if we found an ancient grave of a woman with a sword in Israel. But Vikings did have this very established set of women who did awesome things in battle. So hell yeah. Um, we're we're finding that of course it wasn't equal. It's not 50 50. You know, mm-hmm. uh, as, as as big a feminist as I claim to be, you know, there is absolutely a physical difference between men and women, mm-hmm. and uh, not definitely one of the biggest is the fact that women get pregnant. So once we're a childbearing age. We're not going to be mm-hmm. fighting in as great a numbers
0: as men. That's quitters talk. Now, right?
1: There were women who fought.
0: <laughs> Excellent. And so this speaks to kind of the Vikings having not that cultural taboo on women in combat. Correct. Excellent. And of course, when you're, I suppose it makes uh, sense. What when when you're people who are being pushed to expand by necessity then you're going to want to include as many able fighters as possible. So I I can absolutely see the pragmatism behind that. So that's
1: one of the things that the Victorian age really used to color what we know of the Viking age. and something that we've really had to sort of uh, fight against in the past 20 years now that we're starting to unearth more graves and look at more settlements and start to actually figure out how Vikings lived. You know, getting over... Other cultures, weird hang-ups about uh, nobility and hierarchy and how that works and how you treat, um, you know, are these people slaves or are they thralls? Are they technically not as good as you? Well, we'll just say they're slaves because we know what slaves are. I see. And Yeah, so it's very different.
0: Absolutely. Well, I, and I look forward to more Viking graves being uncovered, because at least we can count on that, right? We can yes. count on more historical evidence coming at us from that, even if we can't find writings, which is Correct. damned unfortunate. But anyway, so we're going to get to the... Uh, this brings us to the year 1066 uh, at the very tail end of the Viking Age. Um, to set up the story, um, many people who are familiar with the Battle of Hastings know the overall political environment that surrounds that. Now, in 1066, uh, Harold Godwinson, who was the successor to Edward the Confessor of England, a pious man, uh, but he is described as not being a very strong ruler, and it's been theorized that Harold Godwinson had been kind of ruling England through him for a while, uh, but Harold uh, had spent some time in Normandy as a hostage hostage of a man named uh, William the Bastard. Now, he apparently, while he was... Uh, while he was prisoner of a man named uh, uh, William the Bastard, he had made a promise that if he was ever offered the English crown, he would not take it, which he then reneged upon in 1066, (laughs) upon the death of Edward the Confessor. Now, um, it was apparently this reneging upon this promise which brought over William the Bastard, who will then forth be known after 1066 as William the Conqueror. Uh, But there were some other... Events surrounding this, Uh, in in, in the same year, uh, just before – a couple of months, I believe, before Hastings happened, a Viking invasion of England happened in the north of England. Yes. Uh, uh, Harold Hadrata. Oh, Harold Hadrada. He deserves his own episode at some point, too. This was a guy who – A lot of this
1: stuff really deserves its own episode. Yes,
0: yes. But, I mean, one of the famous badass kings. He was the king of Norway at the time? Correct. And and he came over with – Either the brother or cousin of uh, Harold Godwinson, Tostig Godwinson, came over with a Viking army intent on uh, taking down Harold Godwinson's uh, dynasty in England before William the Bastard could get over and steal the thunder out from under him. Now, this comes down to a couple of key battles that happened in the north of England. As Harold Godwinson, who would love nothing more than to focus on his defenses and prepare for the arrival of William, there's this invasion happening with this national Norwegian Viking army yeah. led by Harold Hadrada. A couple of key battles happen. one of which is called Gate Fulford, uh, which I really wish I knew more about. But then the the pivotal encounter after that that happens is at a place called Stamford, and specifically Stamford Bridge. Now, please tell us, (laughs) what did the Norwegians bring with them to play at Stamford Bridge?
1: The Norwegians didn't bring anything.
0: Oh! Literally. That's... They were (laughs) surprised.
1: They had no idea that the English army was nearby, let alone nearby enough to attack them. So they had no choice but to turn and flee to their ships. Uh, which were a uh, day and a half away.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, so they, they they're they're caught wrong-footed. Yes. On the beach with no transport oh, out.
1: No, a day and a half from the beach. Oh. They are they are not prepared. They are mm-hmm. up shit creek. <laughs> yes. And so uh, I believe the Vikings had uh, highest estimates. Say that Herderada brought uh, nine thousand men. Mm-hmm. Um, however, there were, gosh, I think there were about 3,000 that were waiting back on the boat. Okay. So I guess maybe 6,000 would have been surprised at most. And uh, the English army had 15,000. Yeah,
0: the Anglo-Saxons at this time, yeah. Yes who uh, fought in similar ways to the, the Vikings, but... They certainly,
1: s- certainly wouldn't have been uh, very different as far as culture and battle tactics and things like that. Gotcha. Scandinavia and the British Isles share so much culture and history that yeah. it, it, it's amazing how much yeah, t- they really are. Uh, England is really like a the UK is really a second Scandinavian country yeah. in terms of culture
0: absolutely and 1066 of course is where that all changes in terms of Scandinavian dominance in the British Isles but I'm, we will absolutely get to that now uh, so so what What begins the battle at Stamford Bridge
1: well so they're surprised they're running away they have to cross this river they gotta cross Stamford Bridge all that this one Viking as the legends say decides mm-hmm. ah, going to slow them down. Now, uh, this bridge uh, was not very large. There are several images and pictures of what it looked like. Uh, clearly the bridge does not exist anymore, otherwise there would just be pictures of it. Yeah. But uh, this supposed bridge could only hold four men abreast, rest. And so there was one Viking man, one of uh, Herdorotus' men, who, I guess they're not Vikings at this point. I guess they're just Norwegians. Yeah. <laughs> but there was one Norwegian who stayed behind and uh, created, I guess, a bottleneck.
0: Uh, well, bridge is a great place to do that. It yeah. It is. The,
1: uh, the Anglo Saxon army would have had to cross with this bridge, four men abreast. It would have taken quite some time, but uh, not enough time to let the Vikings get away. So one man stood behind and just started swinging his axe.
0: The Dane axe.
1: Yes, this. Large, scythe like axe that would have just wrecked the army.
0: I see. So I, we're talking about a very, I guess, one of the more famous rear guard actions. Uh, it, uh, the military term for this is a rear guard action, right. I suppose. When, when you have to make a, a strategic withdrawal or a tactical retreat, and you have a pursuing army behind you and a small group of people chooses a choke point, Something to nullify the advantage in numbers, and then just tries to go go to town on the enemy and uh, take their toll on them as much as possible. It's it's a delaying action more than anything else. When you're fighting in a rear guard action, more often than not, you're not fighting to win. You're fighting to delay. And that's, of course, what the Norwegian's plan was here. We need time for the boats to get back. We need time to load up and get out um, with this army at our backs. Uh, and that's what this guy took it upon himself to do. Now, apparently, the historical sources are fairly reliable that this actually happened. Uh, yes. th- that, I, I mean, and I'm sure that it... The realist in my brain says, oh, it couldn't have been just one guy. You know, it couldn't have been one guy. It must have had been a small squad of guys, or maybe one guy with some support behind him, mm-hmm. maybe some missile throwers, if they had that. Of course, so much of this is speculation. Right. So... But at the same time, you think about the mechanics of this. You think, okay, a bridge four men abreast, which is, say, 12 feet. Mm-hmm. You know, about, about 12 feet across, and you only have that big of an area to defend if you have a six-foot-long axe with a two-foot head on it. Right. And I imagine – I can only draw from, like – I'm thinking the mountain. I'm thinking Haftor Bjornsson sure. from Game of Thrones. I'm thinking of a guy who must have just been t- – terrifying
1: I mean there's no evidence for that but
0: yes yeah, I mean again I, I, there, there's certain there's certain empty panels in the comic book that you just kind of have to right. fill in to
1: assume
0: the absolutely absolutely it's called the rule of cool as well any any of my <laughs> listeners who uh, go on TV tropes but so he held he held an entire army back. Uh is there is there any figures for how many he killed, how long he delayed the army? <laughs>
1: that really is all we know.
0: Gotcha. Um, <laughs> mumble mumble mumble. There's
1: uh some say that he held the army for a day enough for the Norwegians to get back to their ships, grab more men, mm-hmm. and you know, turn the attack. There's some who say that he was able to hold on for a couple of hours, but mm-hmm. it was enough for the army to form a shield wall. Which uh, protected their troops a little better and yeah. held them off. So, a
0: rear guard action, setting up a better rear guard action.
1: Right. Um, that's, you know, there are some who say that he killed hundreds who were either um, hacked or pushed into the River Derwent. And uh-huh. there are some who say he killed 40, which is a lot. I can see a that.
0: Lot. I can see that. One guy killing 40 guys at a yeah. bottleneck. I can absolutely see that. Now, was this guy. Was this guy a Berserker? Was, did this guy, uh, is, is is this the leading theory then? Is that this guy was, he entered into this battle frenzy and that was the only way that he could have
1: t- is, taken
0: on an entire army?
1: That is my theory. Yeah. Only because with the length of time that he had done this, with the amount of people that he would have killed, because even on the low estimates of 40, 40 is still a lot. Yeah. Um, and so my theory is that doing that, whether it's a natural one that your mind just goes into or if it's created by uh, drugs and psychedelics, that, yeah, you have to go into some sort of battle frenzy to be able to do that for so long with such skill.
0: Yeah, and
1: ugh. but there's no evidence for that.
0: No, <laughs> it, yes, yes, that, I mean, that's the thing, that's the thing, that with the great thing about the Vikings, you know, they they let us fill in the gaps with the greatest possible, uh, <laughs> you, you know, you, his, drama is just history with the boring bits taken out, and oh, the, yeah. the, this seems to have a lot of the boring bits taken out of it, and... So the English
1: are able to get through yep. after enter a determined amount of time here.
0: I hear that they had to uh, drive boats underneath and stab him from underneath the bridge.
1: Correct. Uh, that is another one of the leading great stories, is that the English in their ever-craftiness mm-hmm. English English accent, and I yep. remember that they weren't quite... Uh, the you you can
0: call them the English at this point, yeah.
1: In their craftiness, I uh, figured out that they could just go under and stab up words, and that took care of that. Yeah. Um, which, that's not a bad tactic. There's another part of me that thinks if you have a boat, why not I don't know, go behind
0: them? Yeah, yeah. Would that
1: be easier? I feel like...
0: Land men on the other side of the bridge? Right. Take the bridge from both sides? Or,
1: but, you know, this is, again, several sources talk about it, and whether these sources get it from one guy who lied, or whether they got it from each other, you know, but that's the story that we have.
0: Gotcha. So, were the were the Norwegians able to get away? Was the rearguard action successful? No, they were slaughtered. Oh! oh no, they lost. <laughs> <day>. <laughs> Our plucky heroes! Our plucky heroes are slaughtered. Our plucky heroes were slaughtered. Uh, Which is damn. You know, and that's kind of, I think, why I
1: like this story so much. Just the idea that one brave, bold, strong warrior was able to hold off 15,000 men, and it doesn't matter that it was a futile action. It doesn't matter that it was for nothing. Mm -hmm. I just like the idea that someone said, Nah! You know, I'd rather be killed on better terms. Yeah. Uh you know, badass stories
0: and war, and it worked. We're still talking about him today,
1: right? Yeah, whoever he was. Indeed. He wish we could think
0: fig- I wish we knew his name. Like, you know, have a day the dedicated to that.
1: It was probably some
0: derivative of Thor. Yeah, <laughs> Thor was in there somewhere. Most, most, yeah, most of those names
1: are.
0: Well, I mean, again, I, I'm filling this guy in with half Thor Bjornson in my head. <laughs> that's the only. That's the only. Huma Does it matter? No. <laughs> <He was> so- <laughs> Full Thor. Full Thor. He went, you never go full Thor. <laughs> <laughs> or in this case, you go full Thor.
1: Um, I do have to say, uh, it's interesting that you brought up this is the end of Viking influence yep. on England. Uh, so soon after the Battle of Hastings, I believe it was William the Bastard, William the Conqueror, yep. who won that and became the ruler of England and Absolutely. his descendants and all of that, uh, William the Conqueror in 1066 is a very, very well-known bit of British history. Yeah. William the Conqueror is a Norseman. Huh. William the Conqueror is the descendant of the Dukes of Normandy. He was a Duke of Normandy. Yep. Normandy. Where do you think they got the name for that? Norman. Northman. Yeah, okay. So, if you watch the show Vikings, this will make you giggle. Rolo, who is one of the main characters in the show Vikings. My
0: favorite caramel candy. It's,
1: yeah. It's not, uh, you know, Dates and details and things are different, but uh, this Rolo went to, uh, I believe it was the king of France, and uh, this king was like, kiss my feet, Mr. Viking, and so he grabbed him by the foot, picked him up, and held the foot above his head and kissed it there, (laughs) holding the king upside down.
0: Shaking all the change out of his pocket. Yeah.
1: (laughs) and was, uh, so genuinely terrifying that, uh, he and his band of invaders were given a province rather than having them continue to sack Paris because he had sacked Paris several times. Wow. Um, the descendant of this Viking, Rolo, decided to conquer England and did. Huh. And so, uh, there, there's another little fun little legend. So, uh, Ragnar, Ragnar who's a Fuzzy Pants. Yes, Mr. Fuzzy Pants. Was <laughs> another huge character in Viking history. Had a son named Ivar the Boneless, who was a fantastic uh, uh fantastic tactician mm-hmm. and conquered so much and he was a very famous sea king.
0: Why'd they call him the boneless? Uh
1: he had Fertile bone disease. Oh, okay. And so he had to be carried around on a shield all the time. He could not physically take part in battle. Okay. But um, He was a
0: good brain behind yes, the, the strategies. He was a
1: fantastic brain. And uh, before he died, he said, No one shall conquer England as long as my bones rest in its soil. Huh. And William the Conqueror allegedly sent out people to find where he was buried
0: and unearthed him, and then were able to conquer England. <sighs> It's always better with the legend, isn't it? It really is. It's and, always better with the legend.
1: And that's why it just tickles me pink that they made Ragnar and Rollo brothers in the show Vikings because their descendants, I don't know, were almost sort of at odds with
0: each other. Oh, my God. That is, ah, that is crazy. And, and going back to Hastings for a second, though, yes. I mean, you know, you have more closely adjacent... Viking descendants fighting more slightly removed Viking descendants over the control of England. Now, Dan Carlin talks about this amazingly in his uh, episode, What Ifs of 1066, but one of the ideas is that if things go differently at either Gate Fulford or Stamford Bridge, uh, then things go way differently for the entire world because William winning the Battle of Stamford uh, sorry, William winning the Battle of Hastings right. was what established that dynasty that, uh, um, you know, the, the Anglo French nobility that uh, then, you know, became so dominant in later centuries. Right. That if, say, the Anglo Saxons are defeated early at Stamford Bridge, and if the Norwegians then turn around, head south, and decide to fight William, that could be different. Um, to, it, 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 if they just, if they, if they're, if enough of those great housecarls and those Danish axemen, uh, are left and they, you know, take an axe and drive it through William the Conqueror's face at that battle, our, I mean, is our entire world different as a result of that? If, um, if the Norwegians win that battle and, uh, and, and scatter his army and then decide that they're gonna, um... Take England for themselves or have or carve up England with William differently, or th- th- there are a million different things that could happen. I mean, if
1: but you could do that with literally anything, yes. Yeah, uh, tr- if uh, Charlemagne didn't forbid trading with any non Christians, would the Vikings have found a reason to uh, come raid at all? Yeah, which means would the attack at Lindisfarne? happened Would we have shared so much art and culture and things? The mm-hmm. Vikings have been mostly a trader, a uh, uh, trading and settling people, so yeah. they have been able to sell North America yeah. better because they would have
0: had more focus would on the, that. With the English, with the British Isles you know? today, be a, a Scandinavian speaking province. You know, would they be their own Scandinavian country speaking a or non? Would English ever happen?
1: I was going to say we wouldn't have English. Yeah, if the Vikings never. So uh, I.
0: It's fun to play with the possibilities, yeah. isn't it? Uh, but we, we are we are over an hour, uh, and, and we are just about at time. Uh, are there any last remarks that you'd like to make with regards to this topic? I mean, it is such a juicy topic, and I feel like we've only scratched the surface.
1: Oh, my gosh. There is so much, so much about Vikings, you know. Uh, there are so many fun misconceptions. The fact that they never actually had Viking funerals. Uh, oh,
0: the, 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 the burning boat? That wasn't a thing? Boat,
1: that was not really a thing. <sighs> you know, uh, the fact that they never wore horns on their helmets. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And they were not completely bad guys. Uh, we find coins with Buddha stamped on them in Viking horns. Whoa. Uh, it's. There's so much that we don't know, yeah. and there's so much that we will probably never know. That the best thing that you can do to learn more about Vikings is just to read as much as you can. Yeah, you know, learn as much as you can. Uh, figure out who's talking about what. But most importantly, and this is this is the big caveat, uh, flush, a uh, pinch of salt that you have to take with every bit of history, but you need to look at the politics of the person writing that history. Mm-hmm. Because Viking history is one of those things that has been so dependent on the politics of the person writing about mm-hmm. it, unfortunately. And there are not many people who write about Vikings without some sort of huge bias.
0: Yeah. Um, they, they got a narrative they're trying to... Further. Only
1: recently have we started to write about Vikings without a bias, the same way that we've written about other history. I
0: see. So
1: you just you have to take everything with a grain of salt. You almost have to know your history more than you know your subject.
0: I see. Well, I retain hope that we might discover more in the future that can tell us more about these extremely fascinating people who arguably changed the world. Yeah. Um, you can argue that the guy on Stanford bridge, the man on the bridge, you can argue that he changed the world, yeah. you know, uh, but at this, I, I retain hope that we may one day know more and, uh, I cannot wait till that happens. Uh, uh, thank you so much, Kirsten, for joining us. I really thank appreciate you. it. Before you go, uh, what is your va- favorite Viking weapon?
1: Oh, don't do this
0: to me. I'm doing it to you. I'm sorry. <sighs> Choose. Oh god. Axe to your head. Which one?
1: Oh yeah. Um You know, I'm gonna go with the shield. The shield? Okay. Uh the shield was used as more than just a defensive uh defensive tool. It was also a weapon in and of its own right. It is so unique and so iconic, I have to say the shield.
0: Okay. I, the, the shield has been the basis of many a very, very successful weapon system yeah. throughout the entirety of antiquity and even into the modern world. So uh, thank you so much, Kirsten, for joining us on Fightcast. Uh, it has been an absolute pleasure talking with you and uh, finding out more about this amazing subject. Do you have anything to plug?
1: Yes. Uh as I said earlier, we are doing Build Your Road Inferno, Build Your Inferno modern retelling of Dante's Inferno, where the audience gets to choose which circles we go through. Indeed. This is happening uh, this weekend and next. So May 20th and 21st, 27th and 28th at 8 p.m. at the Historic Mountains Theater in St. Paul.
0: Absolutely. It is a great venue. Uh, for those of you that are interested, there are also drink specials associated with the uh, associated with the show you can order either a wrath a lust or a deceit and
1: they are all delicious I try them all
0: yes uh, um, please come down we'd love to see you and uh, if you're a fan of the show um, I David Elwin and the uh, and one of the leads in that show please come up and say hi uh, it would be great to know that uh, people in the actual meat space Listen to the podcast. So uh, until then, uh, if you ever find yourself uh, besieged on one end by an army of troubles, and you are a lone dude or lady uh, with an axe on a bridge, you stand firm and you swing that axe as hard as you can. Uh, please take care of yourselves and each other. Uh, tune into the next episode of Fight Cast. Uh, see you later, everybody. Don't swing axes inside the house. Fine. Take care, everybody. See ya. Thanks for listening. Now go forth and conquer.